No, I am not Andy. <laughs> I'm better looking. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh, I've had three cups of coffee and a Dr. Pepper, so we're going to pray first. If you would, bow with me real quick before we get started. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you for the opportunity to stand here today, Lord. But Lord, let these words not be mine, let them be yours. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to come to your house, Lord, to not to forsake the gathering together as you've commanded us to do, Lord. And I ask you to bring your spirit today, that you would touch our hearts, Lord, that we live, leave here today with a purpose for you. In Jesus' name I say this, amen. So just to be clear, I need to uh, tell you how I identify, just so we're, we're on the same page. I identify as a meat eater. I love steak, I love bacon, I'll even eat chicken from time to time, okay? And I like my animals cooked, okay? Unlike Andy, I'm in the JD camp, uh, that animal should be dead when you partake of it, all right? I don't want Doc Gregory giving it a little bit of penicillin and it coming back to life, okay? <laughs> now, with that said, I do have vegetarian tendencies because I like mashed potatoes and corn next to my steak, okay? And as I heard somebody else say one time, salad is good. It is not a meal, though. The salad is a precursor that something good's about to happen, okay? All right, so just so we're clear, I am a meat eater. Now, in my line of work, as some of you, most of you may know, that I, I'm an extension agent for K-State, and uh, in my in our home, we raise cattle. We used to raise hogs, now we raise cattle. And so... There's always this contention in society that um, animal agriculture is bad and we should just let animals live and then they die and we should not consume them and all this other stuff. And I'm not here to argue with you if you're a vegetarian or a vegan. I'm sorry you lost a lot of happiness in your life, but that's okay. <laughs> that is your decision. I like animal agriculture. I'm a big proponent of that. But we have this clash in society of whether we should use animals for our purposes or not. And I believe, biblically, we have animals. God gave them to us. It's in the Bible that we should use them for, for our own purposes. And one of those is to eat. But I understand if you don't want to. But why do we have animal agriculture? Well, in Kansas alone, we have 21 million acres of crop, meaning we, we raise soybeans, corn, wheat, and such on those 21 million acres. We have roughly 17 million acres. We can't do that, basically because we have rocks, okay? If you've ever been in Kansas, especially the Flint Hills, there's a lot of places we can't grow crops, so we grow cattle or even goats. So, <laughs> but we grow animals, and we don't grow them just to send them out and grow old and die. We use them for our purpose. And so this has been a big clash in the political system of what should we do. And I'm not here to sway your mind one way or another. I don't care if you, but there's a difference between animal rights and animal welfare. And trust me, we will get to the point of the story here in a little bit. Today's gonna be a little different. I'm giving you the intro, then we're gonna give you the punchline and then everything else after that, okay? But in agriculture, we raise animals for a purpose and we have this con uh, conflict conflict in, in the political society of, of what we should do with these animals. And, and it's, it's been a hot topic, and I've been with Farm Bureau for quite a while, but Farm Bureau sent me on a trip several years ago to a place called Baltimore, Maryland. There's not a lot of farmers in Baltimore, Maryland, just to let you know. 
But I got to listen to a speaker, and he, he was from, I believe he's from Nebraska, actually. And the guy's name was Trent Luce. And he went through the different stuff I just kind of told you real quickly about there's a lot of land in our, in our great country that we can't use for crops. So we raise animals. And we raise animals to eat, and they have a purpose. And he made this comment, and I thought, this is, this is just profound. But he made this comment. He said, death with a purpose gives meaning to life. Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. Meaning that animal was grown, and we're animal welfareists. We do our best. Doc Gregory over here does his best to make sure that animal is healthy. It has a great life. It never wants for water. It never wants for food. If it has a hurt foot, we fix it. We're animal welfareists. But that animal has a purpose in his life, and that's to be bacon on my plate in breakfast. Okay? It has a purpose in life. Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. And I thought about what he said, and I said, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ died to give purpose to our lives. And I'm going to start off by reading. I told you we're going to give you the punchline first. We're going to be in Mark 15, starting out. We're going to start at verse 33. And it says, At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Elo, Elo, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. But with a loud voice, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. That was the day Jesus died. And if you remember the story, from noon to the third hour, there was darkness. Because God turned his back on Jesus during that time. Because he couldn't be around sin. And so Jesus died with a purpose. And that purpose was that so that we might live. Now, why did Jesus have to die? Well, that goes all the way back to the garden. And we're just going to blame the women on it right now, okay? I'm kidding. All right. But Jesus, or God, made the Garden of Eden, and he put man in there. And it says he put man in there to work the garden. And he saw that man shouldn't be alone, so he made a helper. So we have a man and a woman working the garden, and everybody's happy. Except he gave them all this stuff they could partake of any fruit or vegetable in the garden, except that one tree, right? And he told them, told them, you can do anything you want, don't eat that tree. And then along comes Satan. Well, God didn't really say you would die if you ate that tree, right? Eat that fruit. You'll be okay. You'll just be as smart as God. And so the woman partakes. Now, I'm not blaming the women. They did it first. The man knew better and didn't do better, okay? And so he eats, and now they see their sin and they're naked. And so what better to do than make clothing out of leaves? That works so well, you know? So they find some fig leaves, sew them together, and then they hide from God because of their nakedness. And God comes. We all know the story. God comes in. Where are you at? What you doing? Why are you hiding? Oh, you really ate the fruit. I'm going to have to kick you out. You're going to have trouble in childbearing. And men, you're going to have to work the soil and hope you can find something to eat at the end of the day. And then he kills an animal, skins it, and makes clothing for them, foreshadowing 
the death of Jesus. Whenever there is sin, there must be payment. There must be sacrifice. And that's where he's at. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody sinned. Dale Helwig has sinned. Dale Helwig has sinned multiple times and probably today. Dale Helwig will sin tomorrow. But without that, we're all corrupt. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what is sin? That's something we always debate about. What is sin? Sin is anything contrary to the will of God. Whether it's written down in the book or not, if you know God doesn't approve of it, it is a sin. Okay? So Romans 5.20 says, The law was brought in so that trespass might increase. Oh, wonderful. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The law can't save us. We can check all the boxes that the Jews had. We can do everything that they wanted to do that was written down in the box. It doesn't save us. Law was brought into the world so that we would understand what sin is. It was to make us aware of all failures and miscomings and how we can never achieve God's status. We'll never have it. And with that comes payment of death. So let's go back to Trent Luce's statement. Well, let me back up a little bit. Jesus paid the price so that we to give us a reward. Boy, not enough Dr. Pepper. Jesus paid the price we could not pay to give us a reward that we don't deserve. Okay? Sin requires sacrifice. We've all sinned. Jesus is that sacrifice. That is called mercy. Jesus paid what we couldn't. That's mercy. But then he did one step forward. He gave us grace. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. What did we not deserve? Heaven. God cannot be around sin. Jesus gave us mercy, but then he gave us grace by giving us a chance to be with, with uh, God in heaven. So let's go back to Trent Luce's statement. Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. So Wayne kind of alluded to it. We've talked about it a lot this morning. What is the purpose of life? What is your purpose? Why are you here? Why do you go to work on Monday morning? It's a question we all ask. Why am I here? What do I do? What does it even matter? And if you guys remember a story in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Solomon. He became king at a rather young age. And God talks to him in a dream and says, I'll give you anything you want. What do you want? And being a smart man or a smart kid, he said, give me wisdom. Now, wisdom was a great thing. It was also a curse because we'll read in their passage in just a little bit. But he received wisdom uh, from when he asked what God, what, what he wanted to do. So, and because he asked for wisdom, he also got wealth, he got fame, he got money, he had a lot of women. That was not a blessing from God, okay? He had the coolest house, he had the coolest garden, and when, Saul, and when Samuel, or, golly, we need another cup of coffee, church. Whenever Solomon looked back of all this stuff, what did he say? Meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If you're ever feeling good about yourself, read the book of Ecclesiastics, the first 11 chapters. It will bring you down to depression until you get to chapter 12. Because Solomon had all this great stuff, and he looked back and he says, what's the point? What is the purpose? And we're going to read kind of what uh, he said here. This is... 
uh, we'll just start in Ecclesiastic chapter 2. And guys, I know I said start with verse 2. We're going to start with verse 1, so sorry about that. He said, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under the sun during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks, planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water the groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had all the other slaves who were born in, and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. He was the richest man alive, folks. This is the richest man alive, and he's asking these questions. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women, singers, and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. I became greater far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, in all my wisdom, and in all this my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in my work, and this was the reward of all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. He did all these great things. He built houses. He built the Lord's temple. He built gardens. He had slaves. He had money. He had herds. He had everything any human would ever want. And he looks back and he says, it's nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. And just on a side note here, I had a little bit of coffee the other night, Tuesday night after 5 o'clock. Actually, it was after 9 o'clock. <coughs> I couldn't sleep, and I was—I just read about this. I was trying to put this to pen to paper, and I was reading the other night, and I came across that right there. And Solomon—it took him seven years to build the Lord's temple. It took him thirteen years to build his own house. Solomon had seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. In Proverbs, it talks about a nagging woman and a and better to be in the corner of a house. This is not in the Bible. This is Dale's brain going at 10 o'clock at night. Can you imagine that conversation every evening? You built the Lord's house in seven years and you're not done yet? Hire the painting done, okay? Let's go. There's probably some reasons he put that in Proverbs, but I'm just saying. That was just, just a side note. But we go back to that. He built all this, a house that took 13 years. He built the Lord's temple in seven. Do you remember what the, the disciples said when they went down looking at the temple and they said, told Jesus, look how great this is. This is awesome. This is beautiful. And it took him 13 years to build his house. But what did Jesus say about the temple? Not one stone will be left on top of another. The Romans came in and knocked it down and took the gold that were between the cracks. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. But he comes back to this, and then we read verse 18 and 19, it says, I hated all things I had toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to one who comes after me. And no one knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. What are we toiling for today in our lives? What are we working so hard for? 
because tomorrow we may not be here and we're going to leave it to somebody else. I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and they were talking about the house they used to own. They'd done a lot of work with it. They'd fixed it up, and they had these nice, pretty bushes at the front of their house they liked. In fact, she loved these bushes. And they sold it for a bigger, better house, of course. And what's the new homeowners do? Yanked out those bushes. What was the purpose? Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Working is our lot in life, though. That's what we're here for. We talked about that in Genesis. Why did, Gen why did God put Adam and Eve in the garden? To work it. We're put on this earth to work. If you look in the Bible, you will not find the word retirement. We are not supposed to retire. Change jobs, but our bodies were not meant to retire. We're supposed to be active and always doing something. In fact, in, John, in, uh, in James, it says, uh, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. We are humans. We are supposed to work. That is our lot in life. In fact, Solomon talks a lot about this. So what is the purpose of life or purpose of work? And Solomon reflects on that question. Ecclesiastics 5, 15 through 17. Everyone comes from our mother's womb. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, I missed a word there. It's very important. Everyone comes naked from our mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they will depart. They will take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This, too, is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. You don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse, do you, Wayne? So, as everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain since they toil for the wind? All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. So what's the point? What's the point? We work so hard, what's the point? Well, God told us to, for one. But then he says in verse 18, and I love this right here, he says, this is what I observe to be good. So he's looked at everything. He says, working's meaningless, toil's meaningless. What we toil for in this earth is meaningless. But then he says this in verse 18, he says, this is what I observe to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat and to drink and find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. We're supposed to work to obtain our food and the needs, and God provides that. If we work, God provides our needs. He gives us food. He gives us water to drink. Not if you're on World Water 3 this morning, but we have water most of the time. For those of you who don't know, we're still waiting for our water to come back on. So anyway, but that's our lot in life. But then he says to find satisfaction in your work. I almost guarantee there's a lot of people in here that don't find satisfaction in their work. Why not? There are days I do not find satisfaction in my work. Why not? Because people irritate me. <laughs> but there's days I don't find satisfaction in my work. Why not? Because my mindset isn't right. Because I should be working for God. When I'm in those situations, I'm supposed to promote God, not myself, not my agenda. I'm supposed to promote God. And whenever you're in a job that you're supposed to be in, doing the things that you're supposed to do, God will give you satisfaction. And it says there, it is a gift of God to find satisfaction in your work. Ecclesiastics 2, 24 and 25 says, A person can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his toil. This, too, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat and find enjoyment? 
Are you feeling down? Are you feeling depressed in your life? It's because you're missing God. God brings satisfaction to your life. Without it, it's meaningless. Where are you going to go after today if you don't have God? If you die in a car wreck on the way home, I hope you don't. If you do, where are you going to go? Everything that you worked for all this last week and you die on the way home, what's the point if you don't have God? There is no point, there is no purpose without God in your life. Everything is meaningless. God provides for a life. If God is not involved in your labor, it's meaningless. But if he is, you can find satisfaction. So here's the question. How do you know if God's involved with your work? How do you know if God's involved with your life? Well, let me ask you this. Do people at work know you're a Christian? Do you share God's love? When you say you're going to pray for somebody, do you actually pray for somebody? Do you want the best for people? You know, there's a lot of people that I do not agree with their political views. I do not agree with their spiritual views. But by gosh, I want the best for that person. I love them. And sometimes that's hard to communicate because there are things we don't agree with on people. We love the person. We don't love the sin. And some people get that confused and they get, and they get taking things personal. Buddy, I love you. But the way you're living, I can't accept, okay? And it's not that we're mad at them. We're not. But we, God hates sin. And we love that person too much just to say, oh, I just accept you the way you are. I'm sorry, folks. I have a hard time with that. We love the person. We hate the sin. And that's a hard thing to communicate, but we need to do that. So what's the point? So let's go back. What society thinks important in life? You know, as a kid, I was always told, you know, you can do whatever you want, get the job you want, be rich and be famous, whatever you want. What does society think is great? Money. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate that. Job, family, and me time, right? That's the three things that are important. Job, family, and me time. Well, let me tell you, family is great. I know because uh, in the book of, Ecle uh, book of Proverbs, Solomon talks a lot about the blessings of children and of grandchildren. Family is important. It's in our DNA. Um, and he talks a lot about that. But what if that kid is not saved? Then what's the point of the family? Okay? That's the problem. Families are great. I'm fortunate enough to have a pretty good family. Uh, we love and support each other. That doesn't mean we don't have disagreements from time to time. And it doesn't mean that my brother Mark isn't the favorite. But that's okay. All right? But if our family isn't saved, what is the point? If our family isn't saved, this is the only time we have together. But if your family's saved, folks, we got an eternity together with another family of all believers that are all going to be like-minded. It's always nice to go into a room with like-minded people. You get to heaven, ah, that's all one big room, one big family. It's going to be great. Society thinks me time is great. And there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with hunting. There's nothing wrong with fishing. There's nothing wrong with taking a trip to Hawaii. I don't know why you'd want to go, but you can. There's nothing wrong with toys. We like toys. The only difference between men and boys is the size of their shoes and the price of the toys, right? We go from Tonka toys to Peterbilt's. We go from Hot Wheels to Hondas, all right? 
Nothing wrong with that, but if God isn't in the middle of it, what's the point? Okay, God was loving to bless you, but what's the point without God? So let's go back to Trent Luce. Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. All right? Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. Our lives are meaningless without Christ. Everything we struggle for is meaningless. Just like Solomon concluded, if you don't have Jesus, everything's meaningless. Solomon had the four W's. He had wine, he had women, he had work, and he had wealth. He had them all, as much as he wanted. But when he looked back on the matter, he says, it's meaningless. I don't know why I work so hard, because I'm going to give it to somebody else, and I don't know who's going to take care of it. you got to have the Lord in the middle of it. And like I said, the first 11 chapters of Ecclesiastics, if you're feeling good about yourself, just read that. But then we get to chapter 12. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. If you want to feel better about yourself, go home and read chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. You can, spurt, you can skip the first 11 depressing chapters. Read chapter 12. Okay? Chapter 12, and we're going to skip down to verse 13. It says, Now all has been heard. He surveyed everything throughout the world. He's the wisest person. He looks at this and he goes, Here's the conclusion of the matter. This is the punchline, folks. Fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the conclusion of the matter. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every judgment, including everything um, hidden, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or, good or evil. He's going to bring everything into judgment, whether good or evil. Do you know what you did last Thursday night? God knows about it. He'll bring it up at judgment day. You know what you did three years ago to that one person? God knows about it. He'll bring it up on judgment day. That's the conclusion of the matter. And if we don't have Jesus Christ as payment for our sins, we're in trouble. Death with a purpose gives, gives meaning to life. One day this life's going to end. For some of us, for some of us, it's going to be quicker than others. You know? We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not even guaranteed this afternoon. It makes me realize another verse that Paul wrote. Wrote. Good gosh. Sorry, guys, for the literature today. It reminds me of another verse God wrote in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Now, I know what he's talking about here is money. But there's another debt that's left unpaid if you don't accept Jesus Christ. And that is the payments of his sin. Because for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, second part of that, the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. And if you don't accept Jesus' payment for it, you get to pay that penalty. And so this morning we got to make sure that we've accepted Jesus as a payment for that sin. The wages of sin is death, but we can take care of that today. Let me ask you this. We all have sinned. You know we've sinned. You have that little bit in your heart. You know whether you're right or not. So let me ask you this. Have you made your peace with God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as payment for your sins? Why do we do this table every week? Because it's important. 
to remind us that Jesus paid that sin, that payment for us if we accept it. One day we will stand before God. Ecclesiastics says we will stand in judgment. Whether you did good or evil, you're going to be judged for it. Are you ready for that day? Matthew 20, Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You can have all the houses, you can have all the cars, you can have all the money, you can have all the friends that you want, you can be a Facebook fanatic, you can have a million followers on Facebook. It doesn't matter if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. For what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What do you have that is as valuable as your soul? Nothing. The most important thing in your life is your soul, and have you given it to Jesus? Because if not, there's only two choices. I think it's in the book of Hebrews. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. It says, man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. That's what we have, folks. Two choices. You're going to die, and then you're going to face judgment. There's no second chance after you die. There's some religions that say that. That's not true. When you die, you have two choices, heaven or hell. And you make the choice now because when you die, it's too late. And where are you at today? Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. Jesus gave his life to save us. Let me ask you this, back to the purpose. Do you feel like you have no direction in your life? Do you feel lost, wandering? Put Christ in the middle of your life. Now, that's not easy. In fact, sometimes that's not even fun. And he never said that that would be easy. But he said, I'll give you peace. He didn't say happiness. Though you could have happiness. I hope you have happiness. But you will have peace and a place in heaven. That's the most awesome part. Andy talks about living on mission. Are we using our time and talents for him? You got a talent? Are you using it for God? Kirk's pretty good at picking up an instrument and playing. But if he didn't give that glory to God, what's the point? Because God designed this world for his glory, not ours. He just allows us to live here. Everything we do should be to God's glory. This next verse has kind of become, I think, is going to be my life verse now. Because whenever we're having trouble, what do we do? And actually, my life verse is going to be uh, John 6, 29. But I'm going to read 28 so you can understand what 6, 29 is talking about. And they're having this conversation with Jesus, and they said, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the good works God requires? What must we do to do the good work God requires? What does God want me to do in my life? And it's really simple. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. It's not hard. It's fairly simple. Just believe in Jesus. Did Jesus come to earth? Yes. Why? To pay for our sins. So accept it. Have that peace in your life. That's all we're asking for. You want purpose? You put Jesus Christ on the throne, and you'll understand life. Now, will life be easy? Heck no. But it will be fulfilling. Are you going to have trials and tribulations? Oh, yes. He said, in this world, you'll have troubles. In fact, you're going to have a lot of it. But take heart. I've overcome the world. We're going through a lot of troubles in, in this world right now. 
You better have Jesus Christ on the throne if you're going to handle it. Believe in the one he sent. Believe in the one he sent. Well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, and? I believe in Jesus, and? It says even the, devil, even the demons believe in Jesus, and, as Andy put it last week, shudder. So you believe in Jesus, and? So what's your and? And I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to tithe because I believe Jesus saved my life. I'm going to come to church because, not because I have to now, not because I'm checking a box, but because I want to. When I was a kid, my mom and dad drug me to church every day, every Sunday, twice. And half the time they drug me on Wednesday night. And I'll be honest, I hated it. Until I got to college and Jesus showed me what kind of a sinner I was and I can tell you exactly what room I was in and how many tears I I'd never prayed as long in my life as I did that night. And it was the same thing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did that for about two hours. But you know, the next Sunday, I couldn't wait to go to church. He changed my want to. Now I can't stand missing church because my want to changed. Why don't I want to be in the guy that saved my soul from hell? Why don't I want to be in his house and be with people that believe the same thing I do? Folks, when you give your life to Jesus, your want to changes. Your, you now have a peace. Is your life easy? No. Nobody's life is easy. But you have a peace that you can handle it because God's already given you the ultimate sacrifice. So I'll wind down here. Are you ready to have a purpose in your life? Have you given your life to Christ? If not, Kurt's going to do a song here in just a second. If you've not given your life to Christ, let's today be the day. Give your life a purpose. And maybe you said, yep, I've given my life to Christ. Well, then let God use it. All right? There's places to serve in this church. You've given your life to Christ, great. There's places to serve in this church. If you don't want to serve in this church, there's places to serve in the community. If you don't want to serve there, there's places to serve at work. If you don't like it there, there's places to serve in your family. Folks, do not hide the light of Jesus Christ because that's the only hope this nation has. That's the only hope this world has. That's the only hope any individual has is Jesus Christ. Don't wait till the last minute. I hate procrastinators and I'm the worst. Don't wait till the last minute. Folks, the two-minute warning has sounded because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed. We don't know the time when Jesus is going to come back. So let Jesus cover that debt. The wages of sin is death. Jesus has paid the debt. Let him cover it. Death with a purpose gives meaning to life. Jesus came on the cross, died for your sins, died for Dale's sins to give us purpose to live for him and everything that we do. So if you've not made that decision or if you want to make a recommitment, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a minute as we pray. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that we could be here this morning. Lord, you are the reason that we have purpose in this life. You're the only reason that you give us meaning to this life, Lord. Lord, I ask this morning if there's anybody that needs to be, make a decision. Lord, let them come forward today. Let them take you as your Savior. Lord, let them know the peace that you offer. Life's not easy, Lord. You know that. You told us that. But, Lord, you give us a reason to live. In Jesus' name I say this. Amen.
Number 602 in your hymnals, I have decided to follow Jesus.